Welcome to another live episode. I am your host, W-I-Z-E, and I'm and my next guest has an inspiring story, and I'm so excited to bring him on. So let's just get started. Welcome to the show, Dan McQueen. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, brother, man. Oh, when I when I read your, your story, I was like, oh, he definitely fits in what I'm trying to do because you have an inspiring story and Let's just jump into it. Can, can you tell people tell the people what happened to you? What 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 is your story? Yeah, so my story takes place in uh, jolly old England, London, in twenty fourteen. I was having these headaches that were getting progressively worse over a few weeks. I was taking painkillers like candy for them, and my was pounding. Uh, went to A twice. A is accident and emergency in the UK. The first time they thought it was vertigo, they sent me home. But they told me if the headaches were to continue, I could always get my eyes checked at an optometrist. So, you know, midway through the exam, I remember the next day my headaches were getting pretty bad, so I went to the optometrist. He stopped the exam midway through. He left the room, which was not a casual move. And he came back over five minutes later with a sealed envelope, like sealed, like it was, I couldn't open the envelope, it was sealed. And he told me he go directly to Moorfields Hospital, which I'm like, oh, because this doesn't sound casual at all. So I didn't do that. I stopped at home first to grab a Jack Reacher book by Lee Childs. I figured I'd be in for a bit of a wait and want something to read. But I ended up going to Moorfields Hospital. They ran the same test, and that's limited to Charing Cross Hospital. It turns out I had a dangerous buildup of pressure in my brain caused from a non-cancerous system ahead. It turns out I required emergency brain surgery tomorrow. It turns out my world went to change altogether. So after a frantic back and forth with the folks in Canada, I was, uh, I let them be known that I was having a surgery. My mom was in there flying to London on June 21st, 2014, when I was on the operating table. Something went wrong and had a horrible bleed in the brain, a brain hemorrhage. Then the cyst burst when they operated. My mom lands and finds I'm in critical condition. I was in a coma for four weeks. But was in out of consciousness for months after this. Things were dicey, touch and go. When all was said and done, I was learning how to walk, talk, and smile again. And uh, that's kind of where things kicked off from. Wow. Wow. And, and, and the thing was, sorry about that. You 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 suffered another one. You 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 suffered another brain hemorrhage. It's 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 amazing that you're here sitting here with me and talking and 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 do and still after the second hemorrhage was it right right after the first one or was it yeah so it's um after the first hemorrhage like I was learning how to walk talk and smile again it took me about a year to get back to to doing this back to work made it back to my job at Hootsuite a tech company based in London England. I worked on the implementation team, so I helped new clients start up on the platform, use the tool, and be successful on social. Um, it took months to learn how to walk again, to, to get back to vocational therapy, vocation, speech therapy, physical therapy. I built myself back up slowly but surely. Eventually, I made it back to work. Eventually, I made it back to work. I was back at work for two half days, then three half days. 
Uh, I knew my mom before work, before I went to the tube, the tube station to make sure I was up and on time. And she'd go off and get breakfast somewhere in London and I'd take off to go to work. One morning I didn't show up. So she rode up to my flat and made herself, got let herself into the flat and found, my, found me unconscious on the floor in my flat. What had happened was the shunt that's in my brain had blocked leading to hydrocephalus or water in the brain. Uh, it's pretty serious and I had to have emergency brain surgery. So I was rushed to the hospital in an ambulance. They stormed up the, the stairs of my flat, took me to the hospital. And I woke up in that hospital bed after, you know, I've been working for a year to get back to work, working for a year to get back to talking and walking and living a life of normalcy again. Only to hear that beeping noise, the, uh, the, the Harry monitor going off, pinging in the background, just pinging away. And being told, hey, man, you just had emergency brain surgery again. I'm like, what, again? you got to be kidding me. It's like, yeah, well, we had a blockage. We had to get in there and get it. But we got the blockage. You're fine. And I asked him, like, hey, so so all my progress is washed away for the past year? They go, well, we got the blockage, man, so you're okay. But I've been working for a year to get back to work, man, a year to get back to a life of normalcy and some sort of some sort of life that was mine. And I and I worked so hard to get back there, man. And to have the, the carpet ripped underneath your legs, like, that just killed me. That was... Like, I don't know how, how hard I can make this to your listeners, but like, you think the first bad was the first setback was bad? I just got my recovery like a W. So the first setback was like the first step of the WM. I climbed back up to work about halfway back up. The second setback is not where the first one was, much lower. I call this the depths of the human experience where your hopes and dreams are snickered at, where you thought you had a chance there, but huh? Haha. <laughs> not today, fool. Uh, it was. Super difficult, super frustrating, super uh, in my own head. I realized about early on that, you know, this, this setback didn't kill you. But it's going to be how you respond to it that's going to matter. It's not what happens to you, but how you respond to it that matters. That's a stoic through line I carried through my talks as well. And that mindset is what allowed me to get back to a life that you see before you today. I understood that it wasn't what, what happened, but how you responded to it. And I realized I could I could build back better. I'd already done rehab once before. I knew how to do this. I knew the game. So I got to work. I got to work and just built myself back one piece at a time. And I had a lot of help. I had a ton of help. And that's why I'm driven to speak now is because maybe you don't have the help I had. Maybe you don't know how to navigate this. So I'm trying to offer you a compass, not a map, because your map's going to be different than my map. But the compass is true, man. And the compass starts with the mindset. And that's why that, that, that mindset of it's not what happens to you, but how you respond to it is so key. If you can adapt that mindset, the compass will serve you anywhere you go. And so that's kind of what I try to preach in my talks is that adopting a mindset that will serve you and see you through the difficult parts because the brain, the brain hemorrhage didn't kill you, right? So you tell me there's a chance. That old dumb and dumber line. It's... Uh, it's a very important part to have you provide there. So, so having your positive mindset, it contributed a lot to your resilience and your ability to rebuild your life. So, and, and, and it's, it's amazing because like you said, these are two major brain surgeries back to back a year after you had gotten back to what you said was some, sort of normalcy and now you hit again with the other, with the next hemorrhage and any normal person would have probably given up 
it, it, a lot of people would have probably given up after that second one, thinking like, oh, man, I just worked so hard. And now it hits me again. But you looked at it as I did this already one time. This didn't kill me. I can get back up there. Where did you get that mindset from? Well, I think growing up as like a guy who's been a bit undersized his whole life, I've always kind of had a chip on my shoulder. I've always kind of dated up the hierarchy in the world where I've always dated girls who are probably a bit more out of my league than I probably should have. So I've got this bit of a dog in me to prove people wrong. People are like, hey, I'm good enough to be here and I can do this. So when this second setback happened, I kind of realized, man, it's um, this other stat that I want to share with you and your listeners is that the odds of you being a human being on this earth are 400 trillion to one. 400 trillion to one for you to have a chance to live a life. And you got an at bat. So do you. Everyone else got an at bat. And I've got one bad card in my hand. And I want to muck the whole hand because of that. I don't think so, man. I'm stubborn as hell. I'm driven as hell. Um, how do you get that? I mean, I don't know. I I wasn't going to go gently into that night, man. I was going to kind of fight to my everything. And there's a lot of times during this fight, man, where I can tell you it was not looking good. It wasn't looking like I was going to make it through this. They told my parents he may not make it through this, like straight up to their face. This is told my parents they probably wouldn't be talking again. Here I am talking as a speaker full time now, so that's a bit of a slap in the face. But it was uh, tell me I can't do something and watch me bend the world and make it happen, man. I am driven by something that's uh, beyond anything else. Like it's it's proving me wrong is the biggest part of my vibe now. I think well. The biggest motivator from zero to one is proving you wrong. I can't do this. Cool. Watch me. You watch me, bud. I say this in my talk. It's always a good reaction. So I'm sure you and your listeners, if you listen, if you watch the last dance, Michael Jordan documentary. Yeah. Not, well, no, um, that's, um, that's a lie. I am a New York Knicks fan. I experienced the last dance firsthand. Okay. I, I live through that trauma of the Knicks and the Bulls and Michael Jordan and all the greatness that he's did. I, he is, I am not a fan of Michael Jordan. So I know I, I have not seen the last dance. So enough, I've seen that. clips, but I haven't sit that I have not sat down. I look at it this way. I've experienced it. I lived it firsthand. I saw it firsthand. I don't need to go relive my childhood nightmares. So I, have I, mean, no I, I respect that, man. I respect that. I wasn't trying to uh, to bring you back some flashbacks there, man. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's a sore subject for me, buddy. I'm sorry. All right, all right. Fair <laughs> enough, fair enough, man. Fair enough. I'm just saying, watching that documentary, and you notice how he motivated himself was quite like someone says he can't do something or like he's better than this guy or someone says, nice game, Mike, and he goes, cool. I got you next game, buddy. Like that, that scorched herbs policy of like, cool, I'm going to prove you wrong. Mm-hmm. I got a bit of that inside me. Listen, I am. I am, listen. I like I said, I am no fan, but I do acknowledge his greatness. I acknowledge that he is one of the greatest of all time. And as far as competitive, there's no one. Only one I could think that is as competitive as Mike is Kobe. And so, I, I as much as I do not like Michael Jordan. 
I still respect what he did for the game. I respect that. And I think, like, what I'm trying to get across here is, like, the mindset that Michael Jordan had of, like, you don't think I can do this? Okay, I got you. I got a lot of that inside me. Now, I'm not comparing myself to Michael Jordan, okay? But I'm not I'm not, not comparing myself to Michael Jordan as well, so there's a bit of a double entendre there. But um, being told you can't do something, hey, man, I'm coming at you full steam. Now, one thing that was quite apparent in that documentary as well was how bitter and jaded he was at like these past opponents and people that said he couldn't do shit. And I noticed how jaded and angry and bitter he was. And I'm like, I don't want to be that guy when I'm older. Maybe that means I'm not destined to be as good, as great as he was, but like, that's okay, man. I maybe don't have that inside me. I don't want to be that bitter, jaded guy. I'm now transitioning my motivation to more of like helping, lending a hand, service is what I transitioned to. But I don't want you to get confused with this. Like my my motivation to get off the mat zero to one did not come from a holistic help you place. It came from an FU attitude of like, hey man, you only get into this kid, watch me, I'm gonna torch you. Now it's more service helping you build you back up. Cause when I help you, your success is my success. My success is your success. And that's what I want to instill in my, my audiences is like, look, don't judge the motivation, man. Where it comes from is where it comes from. But like I'm now trying to be intentional with how I harness that and bridle that motivation now to more of a service place, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I, it's, it's something that I'm, I, I want to, I'm striving for is to, is to coach and, and come from, from a more, just from a place of just being myself and, and being able to sh sh give my story and, and share with people and, and allow and, and help people go through, listen. Cause I was widowed at 30. I was widowed at 31. My wife died in a car accident and it, it devastated me. I was very self-destructive for many years lost. And so it took me some time to get my life back together. And so doing my podcast gives me a platform to share, share my story and share stories like yourself where you've overcome some, traumatic stuff man like nobody two brain hemorrhages that like i said anyone else like you said you got that dog in you yeah. anyone without that dog would have probably given up in life with because with me it was i lose my wife i reunite with my dad after 25 years a year right after i lose my wife i reunite with my dad after 25 years only to lose him father's day weekend i had two brothers pass away I had an uncle that raised me, passed away. An aunt that raised me, so and it was all within six years, and it was just it was just one tragic loss after another, and I just felt attacked. I felt I felt that why me? Why am I being punished? Instead of me looking at it as this is life, I'm, God isn't just choosing, isn't anger, is not. But I was. You don't think like that. You just no, you, you don't. So for people like yourself who suffer these, did you ever question your faith? Did you ever question like why me? Why me? Why is this happening to me? Am I such a bad person that I'm getting infected with these hemorrhages? Yeah, like I'll be honest with you, like I got pretty low after the first one. Like the first one took about a month. I was, what was me? What was me? This isn't fair. It's it's not fair. But like the thing is, you're you're right. It's not fair. But the question you got to ask yourself after that is, is and what? 
And what do you expect to have happened because of that? Well, never nothing like this ever happens to Jim. Like, oh, and? Well, why does nothing ever happen to him? Why is, you know, why does this happen to me? And? And eventually you spin out of ands. And like, I call this this pity spiral because the pity spiral is so toxic. It's like, you're not wrong to think this way. You're not wrong. Let me get that clear. I'm just saying it doesn't serve you to think that way because mm-hmm. I'm not special. I'm not gifted, but I choose to go forwards. No one's coming to save me, but you got to save yourself. Um, there's a story I'd love to share with you and your audience, if you don't mind, uh, about dropping a clicker in the hospital. Can I share that with you? Sure. All right, cool. So this kind of shows like this, like no one's coming to save you. You got to save yourself kind of vibe, right? So I couldn't walk when I got out of the hot in, in the coma. I was, my leg frozen at an angle, so I couldn't walk. I had to wear a splint on my left leg to stretch it out. The splints like a cast rub your leg. Okay. Now, the first time I wore the splint through the night, no issue, no stress. This will be easy. I thought this will be easy. Boy, was I wrong. The second night, after 20 minutes, it was painful. After 30 minutes, it was dreadful. After 40 minutes, it was unbearable. I took the splint off. It's like a rat's nest had descended on my leg. And they're biting, clawing, and scratching on my leg. And it's the most horrific pain I can't even describe it to you. It It was horrible. But the third night, they wrap up my leg. I tell them, hey, we're doing this for an hour. I'm a walker. I can do this. I'm a walker. Famous last words, right? They wrap up my leg. They give me the clicker, the nurse call button, and they set the time on my phone for one hour. And they go for patrol the Wilson Ward. Now, the Wilson Ward was a nose here. So short on this side, longer on this side, all right? Short on this side, longer on this side. And they leave me in the hospital room that smells like only a hospital room can smell. Sterilized, sanitized. It's clean, but you're like, why are you hiding? Why are you covering up here, man? This is not a good clean smell. Not like some not some, some lemon zest or like this. It's some pretty <laughs> harsh chemicals, right? After 10 minutes, the leg's painful. After 20 minutes, the leg's dreadful. After 30 minutes, it's unbearable. I start passing the clicker back and forth from the, from the pain, trying to distract myself from the pain. Now, one thing I didn't mention was after the brain hemorrhage, I have double vision, which means I get the pleasure of seeing two of you which means I can't see shit of this thing, right? I'm passing this back and forth. As the pain ratchets up, my throws get more enthusiastic. Till eventually, inevitably I drop the clicker on the floor and it lands on the hard linoleum floor three and a half feet down on the ground. I can see the clicker there lying there looking me in the face like it's right there. If I can get that clicker, I can solve my issue. Only problem was a fall from that height might break my arm. In fact, I figured... About a 50-50 chance you break my arm, a coin flip. Not the best odds. So I change tack. I'm pawing a splint, but I cannot do it of the ankle. Not at the hip. I can't reach it. I'm not that flexible. Help. Help, I yell. The word was, uh, Wilson's an L-shape, right? Short on this side. Long on this side. Short on this side. Long on this side. They're the far end of the ward. They can't even yell for help. I decide, you know what, I'm going to go for the clicker because even if I break my arm, that's the solution to my problem. I'm sure my, 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 my problem will change quite drastically when I break my arm. But right now, that clicker is the only thing that I care about in this world, that clicker, getting that clicker in the slit on my leg. I lower myself off the edge of the bed. Dude, I smash down in a yard sale. A yard sale is like a skiing term where this crap's going everywhere, man. I got wires, cables, blankets, it's everything's a go. The arm of mine, would you believe that it holds? 
and I hammer the clicker, expecting the nurses to come bursting into the room to come to my rescue. They kind of stroll in five minutes later. Oh, what are you doing in the floor, love? Uh, let's not worry about that. Tell them to get the splint off my leg. Please don't tell you all about that. It's not what happens to you, but how you respond to it that matters, right? The reason why I'm telling this story is I learned three lessons from this experience. The first and probably most obvious is let's not pass the clicker back and forth. <laughs> I mean, like that, that's a slow burn sometimes, right? The second was let's do the splint up at the hip, not at the ankle. That way I can do this shit that's happened going forward. I can solve my own problem. The third was let's always, always, always be solutions oriented from the get off the hop when this stuff happens in the future. How can I fix my problem? After you fix the problem, then go back and look at why it happened in the first place for sure, but always be solutions oriented when the problem comes up. So you're not faffing about with, well, how else can I get all of No, the click is the only thing I care about, man. There's a great expression that um, I heard a little while ago that goes, <clears throat> the sick man wants one thing. The healthy man wants a thousand things. When you get yourself down to like what you need, what you what you want to be one thing, everything goes in that, you can really achieve that and acquire that. That clicker was that thing for me. The solution to my problem was right there. So when you start looking into your, like accepting your fate and like, well, the splint's on my leg for at least 30 minutes until the, they come back from the, the patrol of the Wolfson board, right? Maybe they're going to come back sooner, maybe not. But I'm getting that clicker, man. And if I break my arm, so be it. But I'm getting that clicker because that's the most important thing in the world for me right now. If you can get your mind to that kind of thinking, you can move mountains, man. And that's an example of just how painful the click, the, the splint was to wear on my leg. But I was willing to break my arm to get the splint off my leg, man. And like I tell that story because I want you to know how bad and tough this was, man. It wasn't like rainbows and butterflies to get back to scratch here. But this was like... Like there was some dog me that was like, hey man, this is going to be some hard stuff, but that's okay because this is what hard feels like. Yeah. So so now you you, you do public speaking. What 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 made you want to go and do speaking? Is it something you've always wanted to do prior to to brain hemorrhages, or is just you feel like your story needs to be shared. This is the way I'm going to do it. Yeah, hell no. I didn't want to be a speaker before this at all, man. Not at all. Um, because my experience was so traumatic and so off the board ridiculous. Like like you said, I could have been, like, I should have died a number of times. Like, easy, easy, easy mailing the chips here, like mailing and mailing and mailing and But I didn't, man. I kept going. And like, I'm a speaker now because I want you to know that you're stronger than you think. That you can do hard things, man. You gotta keep going though. You can put one from front of the other. I didn't stop. I didn't stop. I didn't allow myself to fall down this pace spiral. I didn't allow myself to be negative. I didn't allow myself to like to stop and give up. Like I didn't allow myself to do that because there was times when the thought crossed my mind, man. When I'm hanging onto that wall and I'm like, dude, am I making up this wall? I don't know. But I'm not letting go on my accord. So if you're gonna take me, you're gonna have to take me with like my hands holding onto this wall. So I speak now because maybe you don't have the help that I had. I had a lot of help to get back off the mat, man. Like my family came over from Vancouver to London. For two years, they stayed in London to help me get back to work. Work was super accommodating. My friends in Vancouver and London were amazing to me. I had a ton of help, man. Like maybe you don't have that. I speak now because I would have loved to know the stuff that I'm speaking about had I been through this injury. My my talks now are pretty raw, pretty candid, pretty, pretty real, man. Like I'm not 
pulling punches. Like this shit's hard and like I'm not gonna make it seem like it's easy, but I'm gonna make it seem like it's simple. Cause it's simple to know that you want to walk again, simple to know again you want to talk in, simple to know you want to do this, but like it's just this happens to be straight up hill now. You want to do that? Cool, it's a right hand turn. Right straight up the hill. Good luck. So I speak now because I want to share the knowledge. I don't want to leave these lessons learned on the sidelines of life. That makes sense. Yeah. That's why I speak. That makes plenty of sense, man. So you 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 mentioned the role of the support of your friends and family and the recovery process. And two years is a long time for them to 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 leave their life in Vancouver and come help you in London, man. And oh, for sure. And, and to see that that motivates you to offer that for other people now with your story and your talks and everything else. So I I see why you would head down this path because you had that support. And now I, you, you feel if you can help someone with your story and that's, and that's a, that's a great thing, man. That's a great thing to, to want to share your story and, and, and do it the way you know how this, this is you, you know, this is your raw authentic self. And I love that, man. The fact that you can just be yourself. That's why I love doing my podcast. Cause I just could be myself. I could be me. I do me have a great conversation and get inspired by your story and, and my audience hopefully get inspired by, by you sharing your story. Well, I'd like to share one more thing if I may is um, like, I've We're not done yet. we still got time. We got time, brother. We got uh, time. Right, cool. share, share another story with us. All right. So like I had some friends come to me and visit me from Vancouver to London. Right. And they would come back to Vancouver. They see me in the hospital. I'd be all crunk. Like just wearing an eye patch and, you know, I wasn't walking. I was in a wheelchair for a few months. Right. And, friend Claire came to visit me and then she went to Scotland for, for a week to go see her friend. And when she came back down, I was walking, not like fully walking, but I was on the Zimmer frame, which is like a walker you kind of hold and you can waddle around with. So again, that was pretty impressive to see you to move from like not walking to walking. And I was like, yeah, thank you. That means a lot. Cause I wanted to show you that I'm trying here. I wanted to show you that I'm worthy of the praise and the love that you're giving me because I'm trying my ass off to make this happen. Growing up, I used to always never like to show that I tried that I was trying, right? I always wanted to make sure it was like, oh, I'm cool. I'm not trying that hard, but I try really hard secretly to like to like get up to and speed up and get to where I'm at. Now it's like, I don't really give a shit if you see me try, Max. Like, you're never going to hear me fail for lack of effort, ever. I'm going to try. In my talks, I say try. That's the most important bit because it's easy to not try. So you'd be like, well, the world's against me. This isn't fair. And it's like, it's not, you're right. It's not fair, man. But no one's coming to save you. And if you want to get through this, you got to take there with your own two feet, man. And it's not easy to hear that. Believe me, it's not easy to hear that. And like, it's not like even saying it now, like people are going to be like, oh, damn, this guy doesn't know what I'm going through. Hey, man, maybe you're going through the hardest stuff in the world. Maybe you are. Maybe you can find a way to turn down the suck. I want to share a story with you and your audience about learning to walk in tune Broadway, if I may. Yeah. Cool. Um, so tuning Broadway... I'm in a wheelchair. Um, I'm going to walk in Tooting Broadway, the mean streets of Tooting Broadway. So have you have you been to London? No. All right, cool. So Tooting Broadway is in South London, an area they call up and coming, which means it's dodgy as, think loud sirens, drugs, gangs, dirty, hectic, busy. It's a full-on experience. It's a full-on riot. It's a, it's a wild spot to learn to walk on. Walk with a cane, I walk with an eye patch. I'm Bambi on ice. 
I turn the corner on Retreating Broadway for the first time, immediately get slammed into by someone. And I stagger back a few feet. Someone scurries past me on the right-hand side. Someone had been stabbed in the sidewalk over here. I'm walking around this dude. I think this is a pretty wild place to to walk, man. This place sucks to walk. After a few days, I was thinking, this place sucks to walk, man. Can't they see him trying to walk here? Can't they see him trying here? And then one day, my perspective shifted. Maybe this isn't the worst place to learn to walk in the world. Maybe this is the best place. If I can walk here, man, I can walk anywhere. Now, Tunbo didn't change, right? It went from the worst to the best in my mind. I'm going to reflect that. What are you looking at in your life? You're convinced is the worst. Convinced is the absolute worst. Hey, maybe it is, man. Maybe it is the worst. Maybe you can find a way to turn down the suck a little bit. You can find a way to shift your perspective a little bit. Because when you change the way you look at the world, the world you look at changes. The reason why I'm telling this story is you can change the way you look at the world, man. And, like, this this recovery game, man, is like 80 to 9% mental. Now, that's not fair to say because with the brain injury, you, some people can only recover so far, right? Like, you've got limitations with your brain. Some people can't recover back to where I'm at today. That's just facts. Because, like, that's just the hand they were dealt with, with the brain injury they had. No matter how hard they work, they're not going to get here. And that's not fair to say. But, like, for a vast majority of people, it's mostly up here, man. And not in the sense of it's in your brain. Like, it's more of a limiting beliefs you believe about yourself. Um, this talk was born after talks I give at rehabilitation centers, like the Wolfson outpatient therapy. I give talks for patients that are leaving their therapy and coming back to real world life. It's quite an adjustment coming from the hospital to come back to uh, living back in the real world. So I give talks about perspective, hope, resilience. And hope not in the sense of like holding your breath, hoping for someone to get better, but hope in the sense of like, hey man, if it doesn't work, like pivot and iterate, pivot and iterate until it works. Like find your way through. But you got to keep moving forwards, right? It's not going to happen by accident. It happens by movement. My whole talk now, I think my goal of my talk is to get you to take the next step. Doesn't matter if it's the right direction, just take the next step. And like, you'll find out once you step and plant where you're at then, then reevaluate, then take the next step, then the next step. But keep moving forwards, man. If you stop and you go, woe is me, and you, you stop moving, the momentum is so key. Momentum is a huge part of my vibe now, right? Like I really believe momentum is key to my recovery. And that takes many forms. Like I'll come in from work, throw a load of laundry and start start it before I sit down and take a load off because that wheel is still moving. To stop the wheel and to start it up again is so difficult to do. But when you keep the wheel spinning, you can get a lot more stuff done. Momentum's huge for this. And that's what I mean when I talk is like keep moving forwards, man. Some days it'll be three steps back, one step forward. Other days it'll be five steps forward, ten steps forward, one step forward. But always go forwards. So I'm trying to get across here. Awesome, man. Amazing, amazing. Now you it's you're gonna get the 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 solo screen, brother, and you're gonna let people know where they can find you, your websites, everything, man. YouTube, every everything you got. You need to. I need you to share that and let people know where they can get in touch with you. Yeah, for sure. So you see my name below the screen here, McQueen Dan, Dan McQueen. My website is McQueen Dan, M-A-C-Q-U-E-E-N, Dan.com. And I'm McQueen Dan across all the socials, uh, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. But go to the website, check out my demo reel. If you like what I'm putting down here, 
I'd love to engage in a conversation about talking for your group online or in person. Um, that's how you can get at me, man. Awesome, brother. Awesome. Uh, I I greatly appreciate you being on the show. Um, like I said, it's inspiring to see someone who's gone through what you have and and look at you, professional speaker, going around doing, and like like we said, this is not something, this is not something you envisioned for yourself. You didn't see yourself as a public speaker. Hell no, man. Hell no. And and look at look at what this path has set you on. Where you, now you're sharing your inspirational story with people, showing people like you can go through some of the shittiest shit in life, and and and, and turn it around, man. And and like like mindset, mindset is key. Mindset is very key. Mindset is key. You you have to. It's it's a lot of self talk. It's a lot of you talking to yourself and and, and letting yourself know that you are. You have greatness within within yourself. Is that something what, that we don't realize? Is that we talk we self talk to is is very harmful. And when you start saying stuff to yourself that oh I'm worthless, that when you start pitying yourself and and, and all these things because of everything you've gone through, it's it's just not it's not it's not beneficial. It's not going to help you. It's just gonna the negative energy and negative vibes is gonna drag you down. Pity is one of those things that's like the most toxic shit you can have, man. Like, don't. It's not healthy for anybody. You don't want it. You don't want to give it. It's horrible. Can I ask you a couple questions before we end the call today? Yeah. So you've done a few interviews now. How many interviews have you done? Do you think? Uh, probably close to four hundred. Are there any common themes you see through people that have been through resilient stuff that you can kind of piece and put your thumb to? Uh, mindset. Mindset, eh? That's the big thing. It's it's a it's 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 them it's them wanting to change and and overcoming whatever it is, whatever is the obstacle and, and 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 developing a more positive mindset, more like. All right, yeah, I, I've been through this in my life, but now I'm working towards building, and it, and it's it's a lot of continuous learning. Yeah, that that's another thing. It's it's a lot of continuous learning. People wanting to improve, wanting to to just get better. I have this line from my talk that say, "Continue, continue to refine and streamline. The work is never done." Like everything I do in my life now is always, it's a bit tiresome because I'm always trying to tinker and work on the levers and improve stuff and improve this. And I can do this a bit better and a bit better. Never, never done, right? Never satisfied. But that also drives me better and moves me forward because it can be better than yesterday for sure. And that's what I want to instill in your listeners is like, you can be better than yesterday. And every day, like 1% better over the course of your man, that stacks up big time. I've got hacks that I do that, you know, stack on top of each other. But they, they don't, the results aren't there after a day, week, or month. They're there after months and weeks and years of, of doing this. Like, they mm-hmm. compound year over year, month over month, day over day. So they I keep practicing and keep pushing forward, right? I didn't I didn't start off like this. this I, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't capable of holding, holding a conversation from, for as long. It took time. It took time, me building up my confidence and, and building up but and I'm still learning like I said I'm still learning I'm still in the process of 
I'm still watching other podcasters. I'm still watching other people, and I'm not copying them. But I, if I if I enjoy their style, and I take inspiration from it, I'm like, okay, this person is doing what they're doing, and they're doing amazing work. What are they doing that I can kind of take from that and see if I implement it? How is it going to affect what I'm doing? So I'm still always learning. I like that, man. I like that a lot. But um, oh man, Dan, this has been an amazing, amazing time. It's 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 just great to have people on like yourself that you can show that and like the title I've said overcoming adversity a journey of resilience and triumph it, it, it it's what it is it's it's what you've done man you you've shown resilience and and overcoming these two major setbacks well, thank you man that's cool it's cool that you say that and like it's um Look, it's not easy, but it's simple. It's simple to decide that you're going to keep going. And what do you, how do you keep going? Well, you go again. How do you keep going? Well, you go again. How do you keep going? Well, you go again. And, like, I'm not going to be denied by this, right? So, like, just keep going, man. Like, it's not over until they throw dirt on top of me, man. It's not, like, there's a few times, but, like, honestly, like, there wasn't, wasn't sure to make it through this point. This needle had this little, this little acute little spot here. How can I get through the spot? And here I am making through there, man. It's, um... Now as a speaker, like this is a pretty audacious goal, like to be a speaker. I'm like, hey man, yeah, I'm fully sending this right now with speaking because why not? Because you listen to the story, look at my look at my background, look at my story, look at my perspective. Like you tell me someone who's got more perspective than that. There's some for sure, but like not many. And I think like that's kind of what we need in this world is to know that you can get through hard stuff, man. You're stronger than you think. Yeah. And I think that's what I want to try to get across your listeners. Like, look, you can do this, man. You can do hard stuff, but you got to really lean into this. I did this um, brain scan a little while ago, wise, in this like proper clinic across town in Vancouver, one of the best in the world. They do proper brain scans for like big footballers and then like soccer players in, in Europe. They fly over from Europe to, uh, to get brain scans there to check for concussions and stuff. And they scanned my brain on request. Like I was like, hey, can you do a brain scan? I'd like to see how I'm performing. And my results came back as shocking. Well, they didn't say shocking the average, but they were average. And I say shocking the because... I was expecting there to be some big outliers, some big like spikes. Well, you're phenomenal in this area. I'm like really good in this area, but this area is quite lacking in this stuff here. My average, my my results were average across the board, right? Which is a brain to survivor. That's a great news because that means that your brains are covered and healed. The meditation, the exercise, you build yourself back up to a brain that's working as it should be. That goes to show me that like the reason why I've been able to recover as much as I have is because I've been able to lean over my board. Like toes over the nose of my board, riding this wave down, man. Everything leaning into this mindset, this, this this methodology of getting better has been leaning into this, which means that I'm no better than you or anyone else in this, this podcast right now. You can do this too. Like I'm only there because I've leaned into this and like leaned on my beliefs and what I'm trying to accomplish, my mindset. But that means that you can do it too, which is pretty empowering and pretty cool. So that made me feel, you know, this message is for everyone because, you know, you can do this too because I'm no specially different than anyone else here. Yeah. And, and and thank you, man. Thank you for sharing your story. I, I greatly appreciate it. Don't leave just yet. Um, I want to close out the show, but I, I still want to chat with you a little bit off the air if that's cool. 
For sure, man. All the best. All right. Um, once again, Dan McQueen, man, he's amazing. All right, so now it's time for for shout outs, man. Big shout outs to big my real wise fam. Anybody who checked this out on on live, big shout out to the boss lady. Love you, baby, and appreciate you. Big shout out to Dan McQueen for coming through and sharing his inspirational story, man. It's it's listen if believe it, if man tells you himself if he can overcome the trap the 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 the, the the two brain hemorrhages and and turn his life around and become a, a, a inspirational public speaker you can you can do what you want to such a what you want do you can do what you want to do in your life so take Dan's story and 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 run with it and and, and let it inspire you because it's an, an amazing story so thank you everyone and uh and as always, a big shout out to all the essential workers out there. God bless y'all. Be safe. Um, tomorrow we'll be back at 5 p.m. Tune in. And um, thanks everyone once again. Peace out.